Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, guys? Merry Christmas from the Bears Talk Underground. Larry D here on the holiday. Uh, it's Tuesday morning. I'm recording uh, the show, or Monday morning. What am I saying? It's just the holidays can throw the schedule off. It's crazy. But Monday morning, and, um, you know, our beloved Chicago Bears took on the Arizona Cardinals yesterday afternoon, and uh, we won. So, yay. But, uh,. <laughs> What looked like it was going to be a nice, easy victory just goes to show that under Eberflus, with Getze calling the plays, nothing is ever easy. You know, our, our easy slash cruise control victories peaked with the, I guess would be the Raider game, because uh, the that one was after the Commanders. So, you know, that was the, the closest that we've come to, like, not having to worry about the fourth quarter and all that kind of stuff, because in the games since then, uh, including this one, because the Broncos was, that was first, that was week four, that was, you know, 28-14 going into the fourth quarter, and we lose that one. Uh, then after that, you know, obviously we have the the three games, including yesterday's games, going into the fourth quarter, or in the fourth quarter, having a double-digit lead. You know, the Lions game, um, you know, last week with the freaking Browns, it just, it, it just, it never stops, you know, and, and Eberflus has doubled his win total from last season, but you know, for me, he's doubled the case for him to go because, I mean, we've been talking about it all season long and you've heard me say it to our guests when we have him on the show and we get to the end of the interview and we want to start talking about predictions and it always boils down to two questions. Can the Bears win this game today? Yes. Yes, they can. I believe we're good enough and we can we can beat them. Will they? <sighs> I, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Because I don't know week to week which team is going to show up. No clue. You know, are, are we going to be efficient? Are we going to be aggressive? Uh, you know, on offense or defense, either one. Are we going to be aggressive? Are we going to sit there and let our opponent take us apart and, you know, we're going to pray for the best uh, kind of thing? Week in and week out, you just never know which team is going to show up. And don't even get me started about the game Justin Fields played yesterday, okay? It was pros and cons all over the place, things that were very encouraging, things that make you, you know, want to see that guy in a uniform next season, and other things that make me want to pull my hair out and smash my face into this desk. It's maddening watching him play sometimes, and I, I maybe this is just, you know, me being a total Justin Fields stand, but I don't think it's him. I really don't think it's him. Because for me, watching that guy play, his natural instincts are to do basically the opposite 
of what he's been doing, and that's on that's got to be on the coaching. I, I I honestly don't see any other way around it. I really don't, because watching him play in college, especially watching him that first year uh, under Nagy, when he's when he's playing hero ball, street ball, whatever you want to call it, you know he's got a certain instinct. Well, last year when he ran for nearly twelve hundred yards by himself last season, almost set the single season uh, rushing record for quarterbacks last year. He had an instinct, and that instinct was very, very dangerous. And then this year, you almost never see it. When you see it, it's no, it's nothing like it was last year. But let's just go ahead and get the show started. We'll talk about it. This is the Week 16 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hey, look at Oh, boy. You know, this this feels like one of those yeah, but victories that we specialized uh, under Nagy with. Um, where, yeah, we won the game. But you're going to listen to this episode. It's not really going to sound like we did. You know, it's also not going to sound like we had a 21-7 to lead at halftime where we scored on three straight uh, possessions uh, and everything. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's also not going to sound like it's Christmas today either because I'm really aggravated. I mean, I've 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 been off the Eberflus train for a while. You know, the only praise that I've had for Eberflus lately is that, uh, you know, if he's not going to be our coach next year, he will be a defensive coordinator somewhere. He has done an outstanding job with the defense. And there's also that question, is this Eberflus or is it Phil Snow, the defensive consultant that we brought in after Alan Williams uh, Williams uh, resigned. How much is Phil Snow, and how you know, is it is Eberflus able to be the play caller that he is because Phil Snow has taken, you know, the coordinator part off of his plate, and they put the game plan together and all that kind of stuff. And this is Eberflus putting his brilliance out there on the on the field, and that's why the defense is playing so well. Or is it the other way around? You know, Phil Snow's the star here, and Aberflus is just getting the credit. So, I don't know. But, you know, it, it just it was so frustrating watching that game yesterday. Going into the fourth quarter with a 20-10, 24-10, excuse me, 24-10 lead over the Cardinals. And not feeling secure whatsoever in that lead having been down this road three times before and lost all three of them. The Broncos, the Lions, the Browns. And, uh, you know, this is the worst team out of the bunch because the Broncos, thanks to their upset loss to the Patriots yesterday, are 7-8, and eight, but were a playoff caliber team, or at least on the cusp of the playoffs. The Lions won the division yesterday. And the Browns won their uh, 10th game yesterday over the Texans. So, you know, you could kind of look at those games now in hindsight and be like, well, obviously these were better teams, so they just overcame an inferior one. Sure. Then there was yesterday where you have a 3-11 and team. Arizona doesn't do anything as well as we do anything. Okay? And yet... We're biting our nails up until the final moments, you know, right up until Cairo Santos kicked that field goal late in the fourth quarter to go up 11. It was a, it was a one score game. And therefore 
you know, a, 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 all the reason in the world for Bear fans to be panicking uh, while the game was still going on. Because we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen three times already. Three times we thought we had solid leads, comfortable leads that, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about. And then, of course, you know, what really fed into that was it felt like in the fourth quarter, and I'm going to be jumping ahead a lot because there's no organization whatsoever to this, but in that fourth quarter, there we are, we have the ball, and for the first time in the second half, we're actually driving the ball down the field. And we've put this awesome drive together, and Fields throws the ball into the end zone. It was Khalil Herbert. He was intending the throw. If uh, if it was a better throw, it's a touchdown, and the Bears go up 31-10. to 10. That's it. You are on cruise control for the rest of the game. That's it. We're done. We've put that nail in the coffin. We're done. There's no way this 3-11 and team is going to score four times in the final you know, 10 minutes or whatever it was to come back and win this game. Not going to happen. Instead, it gets, uh, it's, you know, he threw it behind him a little bit. I mean, it would have been a, a perfect throw if Khalil Herbert was wide open. But instead, he was essentially double covered, and he shorted the throw. If he throws it up and over the top, two things happen. Either it's, it's too far, and Khalil catches it out of bounds, or it's, it's perfect, Khalil's the only one that can catch it, and it's a touchdown. But either one of those outcomes would have been fine for the Bears. We either score a touchdown or we live to fight another play. Instead, the, the throw is short, it gets picked off, and then the, uh, the Cardinals went right down the field, scored a touchdown to make it, a two point, to make it an eight-point game, a one-score game. You know, And I'm sitting there with my family celebrating Christmas, watching the game, thinking to myself, it's happening again. It is happening again. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, reality set in that we're playing a 3-11 and team, that we have one of the better defenses in the league. The Bears were able to shut it down. The offense was able to get us that elusive score and essentially put the game away. But it was far too interesting, far too uh, dramatic, and uh, a little bit more exciting than it should have been uh, at the end of the game, especially for a game that was 21-7 at the half. So, anyway, uh, no knee-jerk reactions. My apologies, but, uh, you know, like I said, surrounded by family was uh, commiserating a lot during the uh, game while we were watching it. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity to do uh, knee-jerk reactions. And frankly, for this game, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to do it. So uh, hopefully next week against the uh, Falcons, which is uh, going to be an interesting ball game, that's for sure, because um, the Falcons are not out of this thing yet. Having won yesterday against the Colts, they're 7-8, and eight, and we're kind of back to that that logjam in the NFC where uh, I think the seventh seed is uh, is seven and eight as well. Let me see if, uh, yeah, playoffs, there we go. 
NFC. Okay, so the Seahawks at eight and seven, having won yesterday over the Titans, are back in. So the the they got the Cowboys at five, the Rams at six, the Seahawks at seven. And both the Rams and the Seahawks are eight and seven. And then the Vikings are seven and eight because they lost yesterday to the um Lions. So they're out of the playoffs now. And the Falcons are seven eight as well. So they're one game back. You know, the Falcons losing the tiebreaker to Minnesota because the Josh Dobbs hero uh thing happened a few weeks ago. But uh you know, so basically the Rams and the Seahawks swap places with the Packers and the Vikings because it was the Vikings at six and the Packers at seven. Now the Rams are at six, the Seahawks are at seven, and the Vikings and the Packers are eight and ten, respectively. So, yeah, but now there are, f- what, four teams at seven and eight. The Bears right behind them at six and nine. So... You know, the, we'll, it's it's not going to happen. We need to win these next two games, and I'm not sure if we're going to beat the Falcons next week, not unless we get some of those ugly wintery conditions uh, that I would like to see against this Dome team coming from the south, but uh, probably won't get that wish. But, um, yeah. So the Falcons have something to play for uh, next week, even though they're 7-8 and eight and uh, – they need some help. They don't need a lot of help. They need to keep winning, and maybe they need you know one of these teams in front of them to to drop a game. Otherwise, they're uh, you know they're not in a bad spot as far as you know they're they're in the ninth seed right now, and uh, I don't think uh, I don't know who Minnesota's playing next week, but uh, they have to play the the Lions again in Detroit, week eighteen, and. Um, I don't Dan Campbell doesn't strike me as the coach to to rest up. You know, I think he's going to play his players and that's going to be it and you know. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens uh with that, but So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes next week with the Falcons. We'll have uh Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons on this week to uh preview the game uh with us and uh you know the Bears obviously want to win. We want to end our our home schedule on a uh, high note. The Falcons still have an outside shot at the playoffs right now. I mean, hell, they're still only a game back uh, from the uh, Buccaneers, who are fine. Who finally have a winning record? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say they they uh, yeah they they split with the Buccaneers. But they have the Saints. I was thinking they had the Buccaneers one more time. They don't. So, yeah. Anyway, this has nothing to do with the game that we're talking about. I just kind of went off on a tangent there. But, uh, yeah. So, this game was, was, was uh, it, it started off hot. And from the beginning, the Bears were kind of following my keys. You know, we were keeping Kyler Murray bottled up. We were uh, running the football. We didn't run it with Roshan, not enough anyway, but Khalil Herbert ran the ball over 100 yards rushing uh, in the ball game. And I said, try to get out in front early, and that's what we did. you know. And instead, 
like I said, uh, Jonathan Cooper, the head coach of the Cardinals, always has his guys showing up to play, and he knows he's playing with an inferior roster. And believe it or not, it's kind of reminiscent of the job that Eberflus did last year, or so we thought anyway. With even though we're three and fourteen, we do not have a very good or very solid roster. None, and you know, on top of it, was ravaged by injuries, and Arizona's going through the same thing uh, as well. These guys are scrappy. They want to play. They're going out there giving their best efforts, and we're not an easy out. And that's basically what the Cardinals did yesterday against us. They just, uh, even down 21-7, they didn't get, or actually, I take it back, even down 21 nothing, they still did their did their uh, their job. They put together a scoring drive just before halftime and tried to build on that in the second quarter, carry that momentum into the second half, excuse me, uh, for, of the game, and, and to keep uh, to keep going forward. And we, on the other hand, even after Darnell Mooney kind of publicly called out Getsy and or Eberflus about how in the third quarter we just seemed to be happy to be winning. We got complacent on offense, a.k.a. we stopped being aggressive and kind of uh, downshifted, if you will, took our foot off the gas a little bit. And the next thing you know, the Browns are coming back, and now we've got to ramp it back up, and we weren't able to, essentially. And you kind of saw the same thing happening here. You weren't seeing us doing the same things uh, in the second half that we did in the first. And, uh, you know, a big part of that was uh, Cole Komet. He had over 100 yards receiving in the first half, thanks to two really big catches uh, in the in the first half, uh, one for 53, another one for over, I think, 20, 21 yards because he had two catches for 74 yards to start the game but still caught a few more balls. He had 107 yards on the day and didn't play the second half with a knee injury. Hopefully that's nothing serious and he'll be able to play uh, these last two games. We especially need him in two weeks against the Packers because, honestly, I don't give a damn what happens next week against the Falcons. I want us to win, absolutely. But win or lose, I don't care. I really don't. I'm I'm doing that. Th- I'm doing the trap game thing. I'm looking past the Falcons at the Packers. That's the game I, I want to have. That's the game I want. And I, I have a f- <laughs> this fear that is building inside of me that this is the game that I want. This is the game that I want the Bears to win. And then when we lose... I'm going to be miserable for the entire offseason because we lost again. So, I don't know. You know, we'll actually be bringing a defense with us to Green Bay to uh, take on Jordan Love, a team that he didn't see week one. And, uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> I'm setting myself up for huge failure. But I want that game so bad. I want it so bad. It reminds me a lot. If you guys remember back in 2015, we played a game against the 49ers. And in that game, uh, we made about six different mistakes in that game. And if we don't make one of those mistakes, we win the game against San Francisco. I think Robbie Gold missed two field goals. Cutler threw a pick six. Uh, You know, there were a couple of other things in there as well. I think there were some penalties in there. If we don't make one of those mistakes, like we can make the other five, but if just one of them, wasn't made, we win that game uh, against the 49ers. And all I could talk about during the offseason was we had the 49ers on the schedule again 
in 2016. Of all the games on the schedule that I wanted, that was the one. And we finally played the 49ers late in 2016, and Jordan Howard went nuts, ran for three touchdowns. We bottled up Kaepernick in one of his last games uh, with the 49ers, or in football, period. And uh, we got our revenge because the Bears missed so many opportunities and then, you know, blew it in overtime uh, against the 49ers. Blaine Gabbert throws, a, you know, like a 70-yard touchdown pass and a, a walk-off in overtime. And that one just really bothered me so much. And it's not so much that, that losing the game week one against Green Bay bothered me so much because it did, but because that was such a gut punch after being so excited during the offseason and, and watching this team that Ryan Poles is building and, and expecting and wanting so much more. It's just, it's supposed to be, it was supposed to be our launching pad. You know, no more Aaron Rodgers. It's a new era, and, and yet the same old things happened. We couldn't get anything going against them. They, we were utterly dominated up front on both sides of the ball. We were outcoached, outplayed. It was, a, it was typical of what we've seen over the last 20 years. And I just, I want that game back so bad because we actually have the defense that we thought we had, we have it now. And the offense, I can't really speak for, honestly. But the defense could be the great equalizer to where would actually be in the damn thing. And, uh, you know, maybe even cause some turnovers, get some sacks, and, uh, you know, have it be a, a strong, solid uh, attempt as opposed to just rolling over and let them do whatever they want to us again like we did in uh, in week one. So, yeah. But, so, let's try and stay focused here. <laughs> oh, we start the game... We trade punts with the uh, with the uh, with the Cardinals, and then after that, that's when the Bears rattled off three straight touchdown drives. The first one, the key play, was the big fifty-yard throw from Fields to Komet, who did make a great catch, even though they hurried up and ran a play so that so it couldn't get reviewed. It was legit uh, catch, and uh, a few plays later, Fields runs it in on a uh, on a scramble. From three yards out, Bears are up seven nothing. We uh, force another punt out of the uh, Cardinals. Eleven plays, ninety yards. I think was this the one that uh, Herbert ran in? Yeah, Herbert ran it in from eleven yards out. We're up fourteen to nothing early in the uh, in the second quarter. But you're seeing a nice mixture. Uh, fields throwing, you know, mostly to Komet and. Uh, you know, we even saw a Darnell Mooning sighting on that drive. Uh, you know, f- but we're converting first downs. You know, getting the ball to Herbert, not seeing enough of Roshan Johnson, quite frankly. But you know, what are you going to do? We even mixed in a couple of Justin Fields runs on there, and then Herbert cops it off for the touchdown, three and out for the Cardinals. Then we go another eight plays and fifty-four yards. This time, Fields found of all people, Mercedes Lewis. For a touchdown basically he was out there he's in the end zone and and I I got to give credit to Fields on the play because he did this thing I've and I've seen him do it before I think I saw it do him in, like in the preseason once and I was raving uh about it was uh or maybe it was a touchdown against the Raiders 
It was like he was, he noticed as the defender with Mercedes Lewis, and he starts to advance towards the line of scrimmage to bait the defender. Because as soon as the defender came off Lewis and ran towards Fields, Fields throws the ball, and Lewis is wide open in the back of the end zone uh, for the touchdown. So the oldest man in the NFL, as I called him, uh, when it happened, even though I think he's like third oldest in the league right now. Um, so the Bears are up 21 nothing, and we're humming along, man. Three straight uh, touchdown drives and, you know, driving from um, different parts of the, the field. The first one was 74 yards. The other one was 90 yards. And then this one, we got the ball around midfield. It's only 54 yards. But bang, 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 it's 21 to nothing. Then the, uh, the Cardinals come roaring back. And was this the one where they had penalties or they got help from penalties on this one? Doesn't look like it. No, they just marched down the field. And that I think that was the one that made it uh, kind of discouraging was after going up 21 nothing, it was a nine-play, 75-yard drive, and they just marched down the field. Just marched right down the field on us. And it's like, okay, so... So we weren't going to shut them out, so that that's fine. But then after they score, three and out, one yard, punt the ball back, less than a minute taken off. Because the, the Cardinals scored with 227. So you're thinking, okay, the Bears get a first down, you know, or maybe even try to add a field goal, something like that, three, three and out, giving it right back. And then the Bears go, th- you know, force a three and out on the Cardinals, get the ball back themselves. Did we finish? With the football having you know Arizona punted it back to us with 59 seconds to go, no, three, <laughs> three plays zero yards, boom, we give the ball back to them again. So yeah, it's so yeah, it, it's 21 to seven at the half. Arizona starting with the football, and they put a field goal drive together because they 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 damn near ran the thing back to start the. Uh, Second half is like, wouldn't that just be the beginning of the end right there if this kid runs it back? But they uh, settle for a field goal. The Bears added a field goal in the third quarter, and then, like I was talking about before, what looked like the drive that was going to put this thing away was the that interception when Fields was trying to hit Herbert uh, in the end zone. And it wasn't an awful throw or anything like that. It's just it, the, the ball just wasn't where it needed to be. You know, it wasn't a good throw, but it wasn't like an awful, what are you doing, you know, throw. It wasn't a bad decision to go for Herbert because he was open. He just didn't throw a good ball. He just needed to put it over the top instead of kind of uh, behind him like he did. And, uh, you know, maybe things turn out differently. But the guy made a good play. He made the interception. And then what made everybody's butthole pucker up was that, Eight plays and 80 yards later, they're in the end zone, and it's 24 to 16 all of a sudden. And what would what would have been 31 to 10 is now 24 to 16, and you get this sense of here we go again, here we go again. You know, it's like is this happening to us uh, again? Especially with the Bears going three and out on their ensuing drive. They score a touchdown. They're down a single score. We go three and out and give the ball right back in less than two minutes. That's where the sense of it's happening again comes from. 
where we finally cinch up. We'll get a turnover on downs uh, from the uh, from the Cardinals. Then we have the final field goal drive. Uh, you know, Santos earning that extension he just got over the weekend uh, makes it twenty-seven to sixteen, and that was that was it. But that field goal didn't happen until there was one hundred two to left in the fourth quarter. So the game was in question right up until one minute to go when we were up twenty-one to seven. 21 to nothing. What am I saying? I keep saying 21 7. We were 21 7 at the half. We were up 21 to nothing in full control of the football game. And then from the point that after we scored that 21, that third touchdown, until we basically kicked that field goal, the Cardinals were dictating the football game. And that's what was discouraging. That's what was frustrating. And the most frustrating part was Justin Fields. I got to say, and it's not because he played a bad game. It's the things that he was doing were making me nuts. And it's like, I refuse to believe. Call me a Justin Fields stan or whatever. You guys know how I feel about him. I do want him back. I do think he's capable of a lot more than I feel he's being allowed to do. Case in point, yesterday. How many times yesterday? At least a handful that I can think of off the top of my head. A handful of situations where the offensive line is blocking its ass off and giving fields anywhere from four to six to eight seconds to find somebody downfield. And once you get into second four, my instinct is to tell him to start screaming at the TV, run, just run, run. I was like, there have to be multiple defenders with their back to you right now. Run. That's what he would have done last year. That's how you gain nearly 1,200 yards running the football. Not all of them were designed runs. It's something else we're not seeing enough of this season. And it only happened one time, but of course he was back there so long that Lucas Patrick gets uh, snapped for a uh, a holding call because he's in there trying to block, and it becomes very hard on offensive linemen. It's got nothing to do with endurance or anything like that, but you have your back to the quarterback, so you can't see where he's going. So when but the defensive lineman who's rushing him can see. So when he goes, you're trying to move with him and sometimes they move in a way that uh you know, you you've got your hands on them, so you got a good hold of them. And every now and then they're going to make a move and now it looks like you're holding him. And you know, basically you are, but then you get caught for it and it took away like a 33-yard run that Fields had. A really nice run, too. and But because he was back there for so long, the offensive lineman's back there wondering what the hell he's doing back there. And, you know, then he finally takes off running. But in the process, you've been blocking so long and you can't see what he's doing. The defensive lineman makes a move and you just got your hands on him. Now I'm, now I'm pulling his jersey. You get flagged for it. And that awesome run that Fields had is erased. But there were so many other times in the game. He's sitting back there, sitting back there, sitting back there. And I know this is kind of something he's always done. But at least last year, he would take off running. He would just ter- just take off running. He wouldn't be waiting that long to do it. I mean, it, every once in a while. But not, not chronically like he's been doing it this year. And it's like it has to be coaching. Because this guy's not afraid to run out there and get hit. He's doing a better job of protecting himself. He slides more than I would like him to. Because I think, I always feel like he slides at a point where 
if he makes one more move, it could be a touchdown kind of thing. But instead, he's sliding now. And I get it. You know, he's trying to take care of himself. But he, he's got the first down. We're live to fight another uh, series and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it, it's just, it, it's to me, that that's why I want there to be new coaching next season. That's why I want Fields to get one more year. And, you know, bring somebody like Greg Roman in who has coached, who coached Kaepernick to a Super Bowl, who made Lamar Jackson an MVP a few years ago. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. Not known for very, being very good in the passing game, but Kaepernick and, and Lamar Jackson are the best passing quarterbacks, but they are monumentally dangerous with their legs, and I think Fields is the best of the bunch out of those three in, as far as running because he's the biggest, the strongest, and most athletic of those three guys. I think in, in a Greg Roman offense, he would be virtually unstoppable. And uh, adding you know, like a Marvin Harrison Jr. and to go along with DJ Moore and Cole Komet and whoever we have running the football as well. You know, the the Bears could go on a run like the Ravens did in 2019 when they were 14-2. and two. So, I don't know. So, but I just, I feel like that's being coached out of him. And I think it's being coached in earnest like they want to protect him. They don't want to get him, they don't want him hurt and, and all that kind of stuff. But Fields is not a straight pocket pocket passer you just you can't do it you you just you're taking away his the best of him when you're doing that so yeah that's something that just makes me uh so crazy to sit him to watch him just sit back and and basically refuse to run out of the pocket unless he absolutely has to it basically looks like he's back there refusing to take off he looks like he's just refusing to do it. And, and to me, I feel like that's that's got to be coaching. That's got to be coaching. Somebody will come open, Justin. Just stay back there. As long as you're not under pressure, just keep waiting. You know, and it, it just doesn't make any sense to me, especially after the magic we saw him perform last season. You know, so many drives that were extended, so many games that he kept us in last season because he – Basically had to go off script and do something uh, on his own. And lo and behold, he'd get that first down or he'd score that touchdown or he'd get this huge play that would turn momentum uh, and things like that. And yeah, so I just, I don't know. But that's really all I got. The Bears hang on 27 to 16 to improve to six and nine. The Bears, uh, the Packers beat the Panthers. Thank you very much, uh, Green Bay. So we're still at the number one spot. And from what I hear, if the Panthers lose next week, we have the number one pick no matter what. So hip, hip, hooray for that. But Because uh, I think at worst, the, the, the worst that could happen is Carolina would tie, say, with Arizona, who's got the number two pick right now, right behind him. And so the the Panthers are two and thirteen, Arizona's three and twelve. So if the Panthers lose next week, they're two and fourteen. And the best that Arizona, you know, the worst that Arizona Arizona could be is three and fourteen. So if they lose next week, they're three and thirteen. And uh, Carolina, if they lose again in week eighteen, would be two and fifteen. 
So obviously that would be worse than three and 14. And I just made that long and complicated for no fucking reason. (laughs) So, so anyway, the worst that Arizona can do is three and 14 and Carolina could be two and 14 next week. So they're in a position right now. If they lose next week, the bears are basically locked in at the number one overall pick and our uh, draft choice went from five down to eight with the victory. So still two top 10 picks right now, but that certainly does change the trajectory of what those picks could be. So number one with, use the pick, take Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I I don't want us to pass on this guy and then watch him become the next Calvin Johnson. I just, I, I, you know, and, and, and especially with what we've seen in the passing game this season, we thought that that DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, and Darnell Mooney was going to be a uh, a dynamic trio. And instead, Claypool is off being inactive week in and week out for the Dolphins right now, and Darnell Mooney is playing his way out of Chicago. So we're going to need to draft a receiver or two uh, this coming uh, draft, if you know, and then maybe sign somebody, maybe even spend some money to get like a T. Higgins or something uh, in Chicago next season, because DJ Moore obviously can't do it all by himself. He's not getting now. It's DJ Moore is not getting any help, so we need to keep Cole Komet healthy, and we need to get DJ Moore some some help out there, so that uh, we can really see what this offense uh, can do. Because we're not done putting this team together. Ryan Pohl's not done yet. He's still got some still got some work to do, which is why coming into this season, we all thought we were still like a year away from being serious contenders. Like we thought we might be able to knock on the playoff door this year. That with the in the improvements in the roster and everything, we thought the offense was ready to go. We got some parts on defense. That's probably gonna be our weak link to the beginning. And now the defense is the strength of the team and the offense is the same as it ever was. So even with DJ Moore, we have a more dynamic playmaker in DJ Moore. Somebody, if you get this guy in open space, he's going to hurt you bad uh, to go along with Justin Fields and our running game. But outside of that and Cole Komet, DJ Moore needs help. And there's no better help in the draft than Marvin Harrison. So, and I think, uh, you know, they talked about it quite a bit during the game. Arizona's not going to take a quarterback. They're either going to trade back or draft Marvin Harrison themselves to give Kyler Murray the help he needs. And I don't want to watch. I mean, then then Marvin Harrison truly would be the next Calvin Johnson playing on a crappy team in Arizona like Calvin Johnson did for all those years in Detroit minus, what, two playoff teams that he got to play for. But otherwise playing on the worst team in football, doing being the, the envy of every team in the league because the Lions had him and nobody else did. Then Marvin Harrison truly would be the next Calvin Johnson. Where it's just like, man, you know, what could this guy do if he was in Kansas City or uh, Kansas City Mahomes or is with Tua in Miami or something like that, and instead he's languishing in, in Arizona. Yeah, he's got Kyler Murray, but it's him and Kyler Murray and nobody else. So, yeah. But I just, I don't know. Maybe it sounds stupid. And it also sounds like the opposite of what Ryan Poles would do. He's definitely going to trade that pick and get more draft capital for 2025 and 2026. And 
and things like that. And maybe we'll get a Keon Coleman or a or neighbors from LSU, who are equally talented receivers, but not looked upon as generational talents like Marvin Harrison uh, is. So. Anyway, let's wrap this up. We got Bear Up and Bear Down to close out this uh, Victory Monday episode. Uh, Bear Up to Cole Komet. Very solid half that he had against the uh, Cardinals. Four catches, 107 yards. Uh, Like I said, that long of 53. He caught 107 yards on four balls and five targets. Um, You know, and then he went down with the and it was one of those where um, hopefully it's nothing serious. He was up. He was kind of like up in. He was in the air. He was mid air kind of thing. And when the defender came in to tackle him, you kind of like you know basically his leg is hanging in mid air, and then you kind of see him hit the leg, and you know obviously the knee bends in a certain direction that it's not supposed to, and that's where the knee injury happened, unfortunately for. Uh, for uh, for Cole, so hopefully it's nothing serious, and at the very least, hopefully we can get him back for Green Bay uh, in a couple weeks. Ideally, we'd see him next week against the Falcons as well, but we'll see. Knees are tricky. Uh, bear down to Luke Getze, Justin Fields, Andrew Jonico, whoever it is responsible for Fields basically refusing to run when he's in the pocket and nobody's open. Whoever it is, whether it's Fields himself, because I, I don't eliminate that as a possibility. I'm just saying that I think it's a lot more likely, having seen what Fields did, especially just a year ago, having seen what he did in creating opportunities where there were none, uh, in with him running, using his legs and all that kind of stuff. It, to me, just watching him play, his first instinct when things aren't going well is to run. And you, you got to think that it's coaching. Like maybe they just wanted to be more patient and they've got the film to back up. If you'd have waited another second, Darnell's wide open right here or DJ's open right here or so-and-so's open right here, but you already took off. And what could have been a 35-yard catch, we only got seven yards on the play, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, like I said, I think it's being done in earnest to either protect him from himself and getting hurt or – you know, like I said, they have the film study to back up. If you just wait another second, this was open. If you wait another second, boom, that was open, uh, and things like that. Like, I don't think that they're absolutely just trying to kneecap Justin Fields. I think that this is them doing their their best in, in coaching him. But I think it's been, like, you, you know, you heard Fields say it himself, whether he, you know, backpedaled on it or not, the overcoaching that was happening earlier in the season or that – he talked about earlier in the season. I feel like this might be one of those overcoaching things where if, you know, he takes off running, then all of a sudden he gets an earful because two things came open just after he started to run. So if you'd have waited, DJ was open. If you'd have waited, uh, you know, God forbid, Chase Claypool was open or something uh, like that. So whoever's responsible, maybe it's a combination of the three, Janoko being the quarterback coach, Getsy the coordinator, and obviously feels the man himself. Whoever it is, bear down to you. Turn him loose. Turn him loose. Let him play. Just let him play. My stepmother, when we watch those games upstairs uh, in the living room, that's what she preaches over and over again. Just let him 
Let him do his thing. Let him play. And in the beginning when she would say that, it didn't make sense to me. But as the season has gone along, she's got a point. She does. So turn him loose. Let him play. And watch watch the things happen, for better or for worse. I mean, 6-9, and nine, the season's pretty much over. We've with the, the glimmer of hope that we have, we need help we're not going to get. That's just all there is to it. We need help we're not going to get. So the season is done. The you know Justin Fields needs to make his case. Turn him loose these last two games. Let Justin Fields do what he does, at the very least, to audition for the other 31 teams that might want to trade for him. It would definitely help in us getting the best return. God forbid we let him go. So, yeah. So whoever it is that's doing it, bear down. Bear up, Justin Fields. 15 of 27 for 170 yards and a touchdown in the air. Nine carries, 30, uh, 90 carry, 97 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And as I mentioned earlier, he had a 30-plus yard run taken from him um, thanks to the holding penalty because, as I mentioned a moment ago, he's standing back in the pocket too goddamn long, and Lucas Patrick ended up committing a holding penalty waiting for Fields to figure it out. So, yeah. So what was nine carries for 97 yards could have probably been at least 120 if you throw that one on top. But uh, otherwise, you know, had a decent game and, uh, you know, was doing well. Second half, not so much, but, yeah, what are you going to do? Bear down, Luke Etsy and Matt Eberflus. Though you guys are the play callers in the second half, and yet I had to spend, you know, half of that game on Christmas Eve screaming at the television uh, because, you know, it's like, where did this team, where did my team go? Where was the team that was suffocating on defense and that scored three straight possessions on offense? I don't expect the Bears to score on every drive. Hell, I don't expect anyone to score on every drive. But what we saw in those three touchdown drives, we did not see in the second half until that drive in the fourth quarter that fields through the interception where it, where it felt like we were going to go and score and put this thing away. Then Fields throws the uh, throws the interception. It took us that long into the second half before we put that drive together. We didn't come out doing that in the second half uh, like we like we had in the first and, and everything. Now, maybe that was credit to the Cardinals and them making adjustments and uh, and everything at halftime, and the Bears just kept doing what they were doing instead of adjusting to what Arizona was doing on off defense or whatever. But And then Iberflus... You know, like I said, the Cardinals dictated in the second quarter, in the second half, uh, versus the, you know the Bears being in full control uh, in the first half, and it almost led to another collapse. And this was the first time in those four, you know, double-digit fourth-quarter lead opportunities, we're playing a team that was inferior to us, and that's essentially what won us the game. We play a more talented team. I have no doubt we find a way to piss it away, and that's why. These guys got to go. They got to go. They got to go. So, yeah. Bear up. Kyler Gordon, outstanding game yesterday. He had some passes defended. He had a sack as well, and it was a legit sack too. That was the thing. You know, uh, they sent him on the blitz, and he was being blocked by two offensive linemen, and it was a total effort sack. So kudos to the secondary for the coverage 
But Kyler Gordon found his way against two pass blockers that get paid to do this for a living and found his way to make the sack uh, on Kyler Murray. And he's had a really solid season this year. He he missed those, what, four or five games at the beginning of the year. He got hurt in the Green Bay game, broke his hand, and he's been really, really good uh, since coming back uh, from that injury. A really great sophomore season uh, for Kyler Gordon. Bear up, Khalil Herbert, 20 carries, 112 yards, and a touchdown. Very solid game uh, from Khalil. All due respect, I was kind of hoping we might see those numbers out of Roshan, but uh, we got close, nine carries, 37 yards, so four yards a carry, but that's still ultra-productive. You know, it's damn good. But uh, 20 carries, 112 yards, and a touchdown from Khalil. Outstanding job uh, from him. And then finally, our uh, let's give a bear up to our uh, to our special teamers, Cairo Santos and Trenton Gill. Trenton Gill, especially. I mean, Cairo is just being Cairo and doing Cairo things. Uh, kicked his field goals, especially the the one that put it away at the end of the ball game. But Trenton Gill has not had a good year. You heard uh, the the announcer mention that he's got the lowest net the net uh, average in the league uh, as a punter. Uh, this season, and then went ahead and had a monster game where he was averaging 52 yards a kick uh, in this one, including a long of 76, and we thought that he kicked it out of the stadium. He put such a good foot to it yesterday. He had one touchback and two inside the 20 uh, yesterday, and, uh, you know, for somebody who's who might have to be, who might be playing on a new team next season, uh, he just made a, a a a case to maybe give him a shot in the in the preseason next year at least. Let's give him another shot. So, bear up Santos, bear up Trenton Gill, and that's gonna do it, guys. That's all we got for the week sixteen review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Uh, come back tomorrow when I will be doing an an all all out blitz of the week sixteen review of the fourth phase. So we got three games today, actually, on Monday. A triple header, a game at noon, a game at three, a game at seven. And, of course, the game at seven is the Ravens and the 49ers. That's, the, that's your main event uh, right there. And uh, that's kind of how I'm leaning right now. I might surprise everybody and just do a full show, and we'll see uh, how it goes. But, uh, yeah, we're, we don't have any big plans. We had our Christmas yesterday, so we're we're basically just chilling out and watching football and Maybe eating some food, some leftovers, and things like that uh, today. So, anyway, come back on Tuesday. If you see an episode that's 12 minutes long or probably even less than that, then you know how it went. But don't be surprised if you see an episode that's 45 minutes to an hour long and I just went ahead and did the whole thing. So, come back tomorrow and find out what it is. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground.